Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Dread Time Stories. I'm your host, Dr. Phobia. And tonight, dear patients, our story comes from the world of Reddit No Sleep. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the finale of I'm a Cinema Usher, and we have some strange rules. My name is Sean, and I've been a cinema usher for three years now. My cinema has rules that you should never ever break. Well, not if you want to live anyway. If you're confused, you should probably start at the beginning. Walking to work yesterday was the hardest thing I've ever done. Anticipation and fear mixed within me in equal measure. David's recommendation to sleep and get some rest had proven to be impossible to obey. And I had spent the entire night dreading at what would come in the morning. When I finally came to work, I found the cinema empty. A sign on the entrance announced, closed temporarily due to equipment malfunction. David was already there. He sat in his office, staring at the wall in silence. I walked in and stood by the door. I didn't have the courage to interrupt his thought. Eventually, he looked up. Sean, he said in his hollow voice. I'm sorry, my mind was somewhere else. He got up and walked over to me. You said we were going to break the rules today? I said. Yes. Rules number 10 and number 11. Rule number 10. If you find a book bound in black leather on the premises, do not open it. Rule number 10. The black book, as we like to call it. You pretty much see it every shift, and the overcoming need to open it was like the first thing you learned not to do on this job. No one knew what was inside its yellow, ancient pages. It moved and shifted mysteriously. You'd see it in the corner of the garbage room, propped up invitingly in the corner. You'd walk over to a room or the office, only to see it first on the ground in the lobby, then by itself in the office, lying on David's table as if it had always been there. We'd never seen David open it. It seemed I was going to see it now. It took us an unusually long time to find the book, first searching the office, then the lobby, and the rooms. When we returned in defeat, only to find it sitting on one of David's filing cabinets. He snorted derisively and went to pick it up. Its ancient yellow-looking pages cracked as he opened it cautiously. From where I was standing, I couldn't see the words within and moved to look at them over his shoulder. Dave slammed the covers closed. Not yet, Sean. Soon. My temper flared. David... I don't know what's going on, and I don't know what we're going to do here today, or why we're breaking two of our rules. I don't expect you to tell me everything, but you need to tell me something. My anger receded as quickly as it had risen. I realized this was, despite everything, my employer. David smiled. There was a second silence. You're right, Sean. You deserve to know something. I'm sorry. After 15 years in this job, you begin to get used to... 
not telling anyone more than they need to know. Thirteen years ago, I made a mistake. Sean, room three, tricked me by using my affection for someone close to me. I opened the room and almost brought disaster on us all. It's ironic. Only the sacrifice of the person I thought I was saving helped delay the disaster. Delay? Yes, Sean. We are on borrowed time. Yesterday, that time ran out. Unless we act, room three won't need anyone to open it anymore, and it will escape by itself. I can't allow that to happen. And the book? What is it? I guess you could call it a manual of sorts. The rules of the cinema are all in here. He looked down at the pages once again. I could tell his impromptu informational talk was over. I was happy for a moment, even for the little I had gotten. David turned some pages, scanning their contents, before pointing at a piece of the page and smiling to himself. Sean, I'm going to ask you to leave the room for a while. Just for a while. This shouldn't take long. I hesitated, but obeyed. Standing in front of the room, I could see David's shadow on the drawn blinds of his office as he moved about. Suddenly another shadow sprang up from behind him. It walked around until they stood face to face. Another joined it, and then another. Muted voices reached me. David sounded resolute and determined. The answering voices, many talking over each other, one at a time, were sharp but barely heard whispers, like the drawing of a knife across skin. The shadows gathered around David. He stood unmoving, his hands falling to his sides. The shadows left. They slid, merging with David's, and then disappeared. Not waiting for a command, I ran into the office and crashed through the door. David stood at his table, leaning on it tiredly and gasping for air, though he was unharmed. What the hell just happened? I asked. What the hell were those things? David chuckled to himself. I guess you could call them messengers or taskmasters. Could you please not talk in riddles for once, David? I said exasperated that even now I was being kept on a need-to-know basis. I called out to something that shouldn't be called on, Sean. But this is a trying day, and desperate times call for desperate measures. Let's go. It should be arriving soon, and I'd hate to keep it waiting. He walked past me, still carrying the black book. After a second, I followed in mute frustration. Opening the door to the office, I saw what he had been talking about. Rule 11, the lady in black. If a woman in a black dress offers you a drink, do not accept. A woman stood before us. She was tall, taller than either of us, and her pale face contrasted her deep dark hair. She wore a flowing midnight black dress. In her hand was a curved wooden goblet. I'd encountered the lady in black before. She, or it, 
walked around the cinema often, stopping ushers every now and then to offer them a drink from her goblet. The liquid within was translucent, and it looked for all purposes like clear water, though somehow I always doubted it was anything harmless. Thankfully, she never forces a drink on us, making her one of the least dangerous things you could encounter here. When you refuse, she would silently nod, understandingly, and move on. But now, she was here. Will you accept my chalice? She said, almost whispering. Her voice was faint and unfathomably sad. I made to refuse. It was almost muscle memory at that point, honed by dozens of encounters with her. But my words stuck in the back of my throat as I realized she wasn't looking at me. She was talking to David. He was quiet for a second. I will, he answered finally. David, what are you? I began in confusion and panic. He cut me off. This has to be done, Sean. There is no other way we can stop what's coming. He turned back to the lady in black. It's been so long. She smiled faintly and passed him the cup. Drink. David took the chalice. He hesitated for a moment, wavering. His face hardened suddenly, and he drank the cup in one swift motion. Then he gasped, stumbled, and dropped to the ground with a thud. He leaned on me heavily, and I almost fell over under the sudden weight. His face was a sickly pale. He coughed, and specks of red fell on the floor. You have paid the price, the lady whispered. <coughs> I have, David replied, shaking with more bloody coughs. Now, for your side of the bargain. Indeed. What is it you seek? She smiled sadly. I seek. I seek a way to halt room three from breaking free. David was choosing his words carefully. He only had one shot at this, I realized. The lady frowned. You will not like the answer, child, she whispered. Are you sure that is what you wish to know? I'm sure, damn you, David whispered through clenched teeth. A thin red trail ran from the corner of his mouth. Tell me. The lady leaned forward to his ear. She whispered to him, words I hope I never have to hear. Then she straightened back up. The bargain is complete. Farewell, David. She turned and walked away from us, as if nothing had happened. She rounded a corner. Somehow I knew she would not be there if I looked. David turned to me. Blood was now dripping from the corner of his eyes as well. The black book fell from his fingers. David, what did you do? What is happening? I stammered. What did she tell you? I had to lean forward to hear his reply, his voice weakening with every word. Go, go, 
to the projection booth, Sean. Turn on all the projectors. Do it now. Quick. His tone was absolute. I ran for the projection booth. I swiftly flicked every switch, moving from projector to projector. The whir of machinery filled the air. Empty though it was, there was now a show in every cinema. I realized far too late what David was doing. I sprinted back to the lobby, taking the stairs from the booth three at a time. I had to be there in time. I had to. He was not in front of the office anymore. The black book lay open from where it had fallen to the ground. The only indicator he had ever stood there. I ran over to the lobby and looked around. Of course, David stood before room three. His hand was on the handle. He looked back at me, blood in his eyes. David, don't! I screamed. Thirteen years, Sean. Use them well. He called out to me. He smiled, and then he opened the door. The darkness on the other side was absolute. All lights stopping the second it hit the door frame. David didn't even hesitate. He stepped forward and then closed the door behind him. I stood there frozen. He was gone. There was a rumble and the earth shook. The door to room three rattled in its frame as whatever was inside strained at the walls, eager to escape. But it struggled in vain. Whatever David had done, whatever his sacrifice had achieved, it bound room three again, and it bought us more time. The rumbling subsided. The door stopped shaking. There was only silence. A rustle of pages below drew my gaze. I looked down at the book at my feet. It was open to the last page. There was only one sentence on it, written in black ink. Rule number 12, there must always be a manager. That was the finale of the Cinema Usher series. Thank you for joining me this evening. If you like this story, please feel free to leave a like on the video. Subscribe if you haven't to join us here at the Feeratorium twice a week for scary stories. If you'd rather listen in a more data-friendly format, slide on over to Spotify. Same name as the YouTube channel. Same stories. Same spooks. Like I always say in closing, check under your bed, look in your closet, and sleep with the light on. The life you save may very well be your own. Good night, everyone.